We gotta go to the bullpen. Hello listeners and welcome to another episode of the Highland Bullpen. This is Alan speaking, not your usual genial host, Richard. Uh, so tonight I'm joined by the two Daves, Dave Dunier and Yorkshire Dave. Dave Jr. will tell us a wee bit about how the White Sox are going, getting on, and Dave, Dave Yorkshire Dave, the Red Sox, still above 500, still fighting away, uh, <laughs> but it's getting to that stage of the season where you can possibly start making some educated guesses and thoughts around how the Red Sox season is going to go. Yeah, thanks, Alan. Um, there are certain milestones or checkpoints throughout a season of 162 games and you know you hear a lot of pundits and journalists and fans saying you know memorial day which was i think the 29th of may just the other day there is traditionally the sort of the earliest point at which fans or anyone to do with baseball really is um allowed um entitled to look at the the standings you know the league table as we would call it and form a view as to their team's progress and you know really the likelihood of entertaining any thoughts about you know one reaching the playoffs and two potentially competing for a championship so if we look at um, Boston's record as at Memorial Day I think they've played one game since but they did have a winning record that's like three games above 500 which is you know 28 wins 25 losses so that's a winning record of 0.528 and that actually although it's a winning record it only really equates if you multiply that out over 162 to 85 wins over the season which is borderline at best for chances of reaching the playoffs. Really, I think it's possible for that to happen, but I'm not sure whether that will happen um, this time, this season, um, even though there are three wild card spots up for grabs. So, I mean, if you look at what is... You know, it really is st- still a bit too early to, to be predicting, but you know, let's have a go anyway. So if you look at the the three divisional winners will automatically qualify. So at the moment, that's um, in the AL beast, as I've I've heard it called. (laughs) I'm using that term from now on. Um, Tampa Bay Rays are top. Uh, The Minnesota Twins are top in your division. Al, the AL Central. And Texas, uh, top of the AL West. Well, at the moment, it looks to me like the, the wild cards are really only going to come from the East and the West. You know, only the Twins, really, and just don't, they're only just over, just a winning record, as they were. Um, 509, is it? And they're the only team in the AL Central with a winning record. So it seems unlikely that the wild card spot um, will go to an AL Central team. So if the Tigers want to win it, I think. They'll just have to beat the Twins to top spot and win the division. So that that, that leaves, um, yeah, a couple. 
I would certainly put money on the Astros being one of, one of the wildcard spots. If they don't win the um, the AL West, they'll you know I think they'll come second and they'll get one of the wildcard spots. So that leaves so two teams from the AL Beast, <laughs> and they all currently have a winning record. At um, Boston is now bottom. So they're going to have to finish third, and that means finishing above probably the New York Yankees and the Toronto um, Blue Jays. So if you look at them, we haven't played the Yankees yet. So you look at the month of June, and uh, Boston will play the Yankees six games in all, three in the Bronx and three at Fenway. We'll also play the Rays at home and at the beginning of the month and Toronto we'll start a series at the end of the month. So we need to do some damage in those series. So, yeah, the next milestones after that will be the All-Star break, middle of July. It's at Seattle this year, isn't it? And then the trade, the trade deadline, 1st of August. So, so really a team needs to be making progress now and in a position to look for the organisation to think, yeah, we've got a chance of not just making the playoffs, but doing something, competing. And that in that case, they may strengthen the team at the deadline. If you're not in contention, the opposite can happen. And that would not go down well in Boston. But at the moment, they're sort of barely, they don't have a chance, but they're really... Not much above 500. You know, they've got to really keep winning series um, and go on the occasional winning streak so they can get quite a bit above 500 and win those series against Toronto and the Yankees. We've got a few positives there. The, um, the guy we signed on the Japan League, Masataka Yoshida, he's um, topping our averages over 300 and um, fielding this position great looking a really good player he's, he's trying to he's, he's he is um a rookie even though he's 29 because it's his first season so i think he'd be a contender for rookie of the year rafi devers has got the power he's got 13 home runs just needs to get his average up and get on base more and uh, chris sale i think we might be able to say after a two or three seasons, he might be officially back. He's certainly, um, his ERA is going in the right direction. And we've got a good young starting pitcher coming through, Brian uh, Bello, Bayo. And the bullpen's doing okay. And um, Kenley Jansen, the uh, the closer, except for a bit of a wobble after he got his 400th save, you know, he's pretty been pretty reliable. So, I think it's a tall order, but, um, you know, those series against the Yankees and the other teams in our division in the month of June is going to count for a lot. So, yeah, watch this space. I was was fascinated. Um, I know we talked the last time about the every team in the AL East was above 500, um, and the Twins were the only team in the AL Central. I hadn't really, despite Richard's love of the Mariners, I hadn't really picked up too much on the AL West. 
when I looked at it a few days ago, four of the five teams were above 500 as well. And the, the A's, unfortunately, were well behind on something like 189, which we, we all know about. And I know they've won a couple of games since then. But so you've effectively got out with, in the American League, out with the AL East, where Dave Jr. and myself will focus on. You've got nine of 10 teams over 500. It, it became fascinating because the Tigers, until we turned up um, at Comerica for this week's series with the Rangers, the, the Tigers had been on a bit of a roll. Um, we were one game off 500. And I think at that point, we were only one game behind the Twins as well. Uh, mm. Currently, two games behind. Uh, tonight's game is on in the background and it's 3-2, I think, going into the bottom of the seventh. So we're, we're doing... We're doing well. We've got a wee lead there with just a couple of innings left. But you have that fascinating possibility of the, the, the Tigers making the playoffs and potentially um, ha having a, a lower score, obviously, than quite a few of the, 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 the teams who are not going to make it if you've got nine teams above 500 um, elsewhere. So it's uh, mm. it, I, I never really appreciated that as a as a relatively new fan that you're you could effectively be supporting the, the 10th best team in baseball but the, if you're in a weak division um you're, you're going to get one of the half a dozen uh, spots in there as, as a divisional champion uh, as well so uh, exciting times and the tigers mm -hmm. certainly bashed on and did really well since we've last spoken um i i think Young David pointed out that may have had a fairly straightforward schedule. Um, but the end of May and June brings a fairly brutal schedule. I think something like 20 of their 27 games in end of May, June um, are against teams who are over 500. And 17 of them are against teams who are currently placed first in their division as well. Um, so I think um, the, 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 the Tigers um, have done well. But yeah, let, let's see how they cope with this schedule. And allied to that, uh, Erod, who'd been pitching fantastically, he's been put on the 15-day injured list. Uh, and Riley Green, who'd been hitting exceptionally well, he's out injured as well. So I, I, I guess you see that in football as well, but... Uh, an underdog team start doing well. They can get one or two injuries um, and the squad depth might not be there as uh, uh, potentially some of the other teams and squads have. So um, it, it certainly piqued our interest. It certainly got us thinking a little bit about October baseball. Um, but po possibly uh, possibly we're, we're one step further on. Scott Harris, the GM, Seems to be well respected. Seems to be doing a, a good job, um, and uh, it, things are things are hopefully looking up for for Detroit and and the Tigers there. So uh, we we had a tough tough loss in one of our series games against the White Sox. But before I introduce Dave Junior, I would point out that the the three one series win for the Tigers or the White Sox, and I'm going to get that in quickly before this weekend's series where the two meet up again. Uh, that will be some of the seven games we don't have against teams that are over 500. Just 
before we go on, Dave, I'll just chip in and say, you know, I go back quite a long way on most things. And, uh, you know, when we started our interest in this three or four years ago, you know, I, I still tend to think of um, the Detroit Tigers as a an AL East team. And um, without actually looking it up, but I did look it up yesterday and, you know, I didn't dream it. Um, they were um, in the AL East between 1969 and 1997. So 97 okay. would have been, I think, when I started watching it um, live on Channel Channel 5. And actually, that, that was the first game I went to at Fenway. It was 30 years ago now, 93. So, um, yeah. So yeah. it well, makes sense, doesn't it? You know, they're, sort of, they're uh, in the Eastern time zone. Um, but yeah. Chicago, I think, is... Chicago and Illinois is in the central time zone. Um, so we obviously just scrape in there, but we've we've um, we've gone to play in the central division where the, <laughs> the mighty White Sox reside. How mighty are they today? Well, well today um, there's a couple of young hitters for the Angels. So um, good evening, everyone. Um, the White Sox are culminating um, a three-game series with the Los Angeles Angels tonight. A couple of young upcoming hitters for the Angels. Uh, they've knocked in three home runs tonight. Um, I think some boy, Otani, Trout. So they've they've knocked in three home runs between Thanks, them to make, to make tonight's task uh, quite the up, uh, uphill battle already. Um, just to come back to something that Dave mentioned about this time of year and kind of pulling together your thoughts if you're going to be a playoff team or a, or a championship team um, <laughs> do you know the best record sorry do you know the worst record at the end of a uh, to, to win a division title in no. baseball no I bet you do so I do, <laughs> I do. Uh, 82 and 80 uh, and okay. that was that was the 2005 Padres so Again, I alluded it. I alluded to it last week in the podcast that I really did feel, um, with the American League Central being quite a weak division, it's, it. <laughs> I, I really don't think the winners will be too far ahead of that 82 win mark. Uh, interestingly, the year after 2006, St. Louis Cardinals won 83, and they went on to win the the whole damn thing, uh, beating the Tigers uh, in the the kind of World Series yeah. final. Um, so it can be done. It can be done. It's, I'm a big, big fan in sports of momentum. And if you can really be fighting, particularly again, American League Central, if you can be fighting for that title uh, come August, September time, I really don't see a reason why anyone can't have a good run in the playoffs. It's been done before. It'll be done again. It's it's not like football. You don't need to be a Manchester City in those uh, in those latter stages. Yes, having the better players helps, but as we all know, the pitching really counts. Your pitcher has an off day, lets the opposition in. It's um, yeah, there's just so many facets within uh, within baseball. Uh, to pick up where the White Sox are just now. So April was a disaster, and we really did end the month, at, you know, really poorly. And you know, exchanged a few texts with Dave the other day, and he was kind of saying, oh, White Sox need to pick up." <laughs> the strange news is we have picked up. It's still. But it still looks as if we're we're ranked rotten. So we hadn't won a series at all until May. And we've now won five of the last eight. 
which is something that we just need to do. We need to you need to start winning two out of every three games because we dug such a hole, uh, you know, 10 game losing streaks and so on, just not winning a series during April. You need to start winning two out of every three. And we had been doing that with the notable exception of 3-1 losses against both Detroit and Kansas. And those are series that the White Sox should really have been looking to try and tie, particularly in Kansas, maybe even take a win. And those have done us a whole lot of damage because, you know, like in football, three points are three points. Yes, if you can deny your, your opposition, particularly in your own interleague play, if you can deny them a win, it really counts as a, an old six-pointer. But a win is a win, and it doesn't matter if it comes against the Yankees or if it comes against Kansas. You need to rack those wins up. So I think it'll now be five of nine after tonight. Um, the Sox, it's been a better May. Uh, as you can see from those results, but we still, we're going to have to keep on digging out two out of three for the next few months uh, with the hope that our division is just so weak. And again, something that Dave spoke about earlier, that the, the Twins being over 500 are the only team. Even more interestingly to me is that all five teams in the American League East aren't just over 500 but they have all of better records than every team in the Central. So even, you know, I think, was it Boston languishing in fifth on mm. 519? They're still ahead of the best team in the Central League. So again, it speaks it speaks volumes. Um, and it's, you know, I think, as you said, Alan, the Tigers have got a, a tricky schedule coming up. Whatever you do, do not look at your schedule for August. <laughs> that, that could be a real momentum killer. It doesn't uh, look kind at all. Um, but a big boost for the White Sox this week was the return of uh, one of the real favourites amongst the, the podcast crew of Liam uh, Hendricks. So a real a real star. He is kind of widely loved within MLB. He's a bit of a, a character, an Aussie. Not many Aussies have been uh, within the, uh, the MLB system. I think he's got a good reputation on the mound. He's one of the best closers in the game. And uh, for those of you that don't know, he was diagnosed in December with cancer. Now, the, the timescales here are mind-blowing. We've, you know, on the podcast, we've all been affected by cancer. Most of you listening, unfortunately, you'll have been affected by cancer in some way, shape or form. It's horrible. It's, you don't need me to tell you um, just what an absolutely disgusting and horrible disease that is. But Liam was diagnosed in December. Uh, and recently, they've actually been thinking he's, he pitched with it during 2001, sorry, 2021 and 2022. Um, he began treatment in January, and over the, the next few weeks during his chemotherapy, was still taking part on the mound. He returned to, sorry, he rang the bell and did his final chemo on April the 5th, um, made his return through AAA. And earlier in the week, made his return, you know, four months later to the mound against the Angels. Now, it wasn't the Hollywood ending. He didn't get the, the kind of closing win. They actually put him in in the eighth inning. Um, again, just trying to bring him back in gradually. But the, the ovation for Liam coming out to the field was quite something. Uh, the Angels were really classy. They just you know, stood off to the side. The batter didn't into the box, the umps gave him his show, uh, you know, gave him his moment while the crowd paid respects and it really was quite humbling to 
to see that that recovery uh, in, in full play. So it's great to have Liam back uh, in action. And hopefully, again, I've spoken a lot about the White Sox injuries over this year. <laughs> it, it wasn't quite an injury, but the White Sox did play without a closer for two months. They chose to do that. Um, and that hasn't helped the team either. So it's, it's great to have Liam back. Naturally, that is the most important thing. The fact that he can get back playing baseball is huge. Um, you've seen him, he asked for the ball to be kept after his, his first pitch, was, which was a, a 94 miles per hour fastball right down the middle. He asked for that ball because it's, it's what he dreamt of, getting back to do the thing that he loves. Um, but <laughs> from a purely baseball point of view, it would be very, very good to have a man of his abilities back in the team just now. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's it's been quite good. Uh, I, I could only... I can only imagine if there was a Scottish football referee umpiring that game, he'd have had a pitch clock violation. <laughs> Very possibly. The batter um, was quite good there, wasn't he? He stayed away from the batter's box and just let the applause and the ovation ride. Yeah. So I think they tend to be pretty good on that sort of thing in baseball. They know what's going on. They know what's important, and uh, you know everyone respects the uh, the moment. Yeah, I, I listened to Liam afterwards in an interview, and he did say he's a pitcher. I think I would imagine most pitchers are like this, but he he's energized by by hatred. He really he'll try to get into a, a different persona where he just detests the batter that he's facing at that moment in time. And he said he found it really quite hard because he could see the Angels dugout all clapping him. He could see this batter giving him his moment um, and just a touch of humanity. And he said it's the last thing he wanted to see was that, damn, <laughs> these are actually good men. <laughs> I, I want to find a reason to dislike them because I need yeah. to. it helps me with my anger. A couple of things I was going to pick up on as well, Dave. So you mentioned like you're talking about... Um, all the teams in the AL East are higher than the Twins, 5-1-9, 5-1-9. The Mariners are in 5-0-9, Richard's team. Uh, they're fourth in the AL West. So there are none of those nine teams worse than the teams in the in the Central Division, uh, which which is fascinating. Um, going to pick up as well on your point about the you talked about six-pointers in football. And that, that's helped me understand something that I've been... The, the games, as a stato, I've always found the games behind figure in baseball slightly confusing because you look at it and you see, oh, actually, they've won three games. They're three games ahead. I think just now the Twins, they're one game ahead and the Tigers are three games behind. So you think that that's a two-game-behind situation, which is effectively two six-pointers because if we played the Twins twice, we would tie them up. Um, so instead of looking at it as four games behind, it is actually two. So no, that 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 was good. And I, I should probably mention as well when you talk about playoffs. My hometown football team are featuring in the playoffs for the first time this week. Um, unfortunately, that's not quite as uh, an achievement as perhaps <laughs> getting to the playoffs as um, baseball teams because they they achieved that by finishing second to bottom. The bottom team get punted out of the league. And the second to bottom team go in the playoffs with the best teams from the league below. So it's not quite the achievement, but it's something 
something there anyway. So yeah. Um, did you did you have some thoughts in opening pictures as well, Dave? Yeah. So, um, so for those of you listening, uh, all three of you, um, something I mentioned to to Dave and Alan was a a term which was new to me is the term openers. Now we're all aware of the term closers, and there's different different types of pitchers. You've got your starting pitchers, your guys that come in maybe fifth, sixth, seventh inning. You've got guys that can do multi-innings. And then, as I've alluded to there about Liam Hendricks, he is a closer, which is technically those last three outs of a game, to win that game, they are deemed the toughest outs. Now, that's important to remember. They're deemed the toughest three outs um, in a match so that you can get yourself over the line. Now, something that I've heard this week is the term opener, which really is the polar opposite to a closer. Um, so uh, please forgive me, Alan and Dave, if, if you're aware of, of this. I believe so far, I had a quick look and I believe that the term surfaced in the 80s, but has kind of fallen out of baseball until uh, this season, which there's been a, a little spate of, of the, the opener being introduced. So the idea, you know, building on, on the back of everything Dave said last week about a quality start for a pitcher um, and perhaps getting through the batting order two to three times of the opposition, the purpose of an opener is to come in and specifically pitch that first inning. Now, they may go on to do a second inning, but the purpose would be the first inning where if you're thinking about, let's say the example I've got literally in front of me just now is the Angels, and you've got two of the top guys in baseball, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, on you know, batting second and third. So the idea would be if you bring in an opener, if that opener is so specialised that they can see you through those three outs and get you into the second inning without conceding any runs, not only is it good for your team, but it's frustrating for the opposition because by the, the time that those opening order guys come back round to bat, they're facing a second pitcher, which more and more I can understand now. If, you, if you're a batter that's in good form that particular day and you get to see a pitcher two, three times and you just know you're hitting the ball, you're doing well or you know that you've got their number and they're going to walk you, However, it's suddenly a bit of a fly in the ointment if an opener can come in, get you out, and then the very next time you come round, it's another guy, and then by the you know seventh, eighth, or ninth inning, it's another pitcher. So it can really throw your momentum when you're one of those top three guys in a team mm. looking to try and get your team on base or, or to even score, but suddenly that's being thrown. And the idea is once you get those three outs in the first inning, Perhaps your your starter can come in at the second and try and get those four, five, six innings that Dave spoke of last week. Or if you're having a bullpen day, you, you perhaps try and use some longer uh, innings, guys. Um, but hopefully that makes sense. I just found yeah. it really quite interesting. You flip the idea, you flip the narrative and the idea of a closer to do the ninth inning, you bring it in the first instead. I don't know if it takes away the prestige of a starter, if they would get annoyed by that coming in in the second. Um, but surely if you're trying for your team to win the best way possible, it's it's an interesting tactic anyway. Yeah, I hadn't, I hadn't actually seen that before. So that is fascinating. But the, the tactics make a lot of sense there as well. So I can I can buy into that uh, quite like that. 
Yorkshire Dave as well. I think you you've come across something fairly unique. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the Tampa Bay Rays use the opener quite a, a lot, don't they? I think they're famous for it and they use it very well. Uh, yeah, I don't know how interesting this is. Like, semi interesting. It was just I was watching the one of the live games. I think it was a Fox game. It's game two, the Red Sox and the D back series on the twenty seventh of. May it was a, it was the beginning of the game at top of the first with Bossom as the away team up first and there were two mon- two men on base runners at the corners so first and third and there were two men out so this brought Jaron Duran um, up to the plate he was batting fifth in the lineup so and the count got to two balls and two strikes. Um, he took a ball, but there was some play action, which would make it a, a full count. But there was some play action, and the runner at first was kind of caught between first and second. So it was potentially in a rundown. But meanwhile, Alex Verdugo at third was trying to use the confusion to steal home. But the second baseman played it really well, saw what was happening, and threw him out at the plate. So that was the end of the inning. Um, but um, Jaron Duran was actually not out he was the last batsman there so anyway I suppose the the D-backs came up to in the bottom of the second um, they scored a home run actually off the uh, off the right field pole to put them a, a run up and then um, I was just sort of idly watching the <laughs> top of the second and I thought that's Jared Duran batting again and uh, fortunately the um, I suppose it I guess it seems pretty obvious now, but it just it just took me back a little bit because um, you know I hadn't realised that he was not out at the end of the first innings. So the commentator explained that Duran was at the plate when Verdugo was retired on the base pass, as he put it. But um, so he gets a fresh start. So he came into bat after um, his previous at bat, which. What finished with him on possibly three balls and two strikes, but he wasn't out. So he came up with the, the count zero and zero. He, um, I think he took the, yeah, I think he took the, the, the count to two and two. It was on a two, two pitch that he, he got a hit, which actually helped to get him out of a slump. He'd been on quite a serious slump. He got to first base. And um, but it had taken him <laughs> four strikes and five balls. So yeah, that's pretty. My... Yeah, no, that's um, that's good. We like to finish our chats with these wonderful and unusual things coming along there. So it's always good to we, we watch enough baseball that we manage to pick up on these weird and fascinating situations. It's a, a fantastic game and. Thanks to everybody for listening tonight on the Highland Bullpen and we will catch up with you shortly. All the best.